Educating children about how to manage money is key for their future. But with school lessons in financial literacy sometimes on the more basic side, it falls to parents to pass on those early messages on effective financial behaviour. A 2019 study by Visa found that 43% of those polled in the UAE between the ages of 16 to 24 are not ready to manage their own money, while more than half believe schools do not prepare them enough. Which is why parents play such an important role in shaping a child's attitude towards money. So how can parents introduce the concept of budgeting and saving to their children? And how do they decide how much pocket money to give them? I'm Alice Hayne, the personal finance editor of The National, and joining me is Aisha Khan, The National's podcast producer. Later, we'll be joined by Marilyn Pinto, the founder and managing director of the Kids Finance Initiative, which runs financial literacy boot camps for young children and teenagers. And we'll also hear from a UAE resident who transformed her child into a committed saver. So Aisha, you have two children. How old are they and how are you introducing them to the concept of money management? Okay, well, I'm trying a few things. My children are 10 and 6, about to be 7. I got really panicky about two or three years ago when we were living here. We'd moved here. We'd already lived in Hong Kong. I mean, it's a horrible word, but I just felt like my children were becoming spoilt and they expected things and they have a lot of family that every time they visit, they either get a lot of toys or they get a lot of money and... They just had no value. Like they would get a new toy and they'd play with it for two days and then they wouldn't look at it for like months. Um, And then they'd ask for something really similar, especially when it comes to Lego. Our house is full of Lego. So I think it's an ongoing battle for me. I'm no way um, on top of it. It is a worry. I like to read on a lot of things and try and learn as much as possible. I know how you feel. I have uh, two children. One, my son is 10 and my daughter is 13. My daughter's a spender. And she's learning how to change that behavior and she's getting a lot better at it. And my son is a saver. So he his money box is it stacks up, the money stacks up and then he spends on something big that he's saving towards. But my daughter was the challenge. And and thankfully for that, I learned a lot of valuable lessons through that process. And he's now gaining from that because, you know, the same philosophies are applied to him. But my solution was, you know, when you talk about the value of money is when my daughter was about six, seven, she used to, you know, any shop you went into, she would want an item in that shop. And I got tired of having to have that discussion and that argument. And and so I turned it around and I said, okay, this is your pocket money. This is what you're paid every month. Um, You can buy any of that stuff that you want. And do you do that per month rather than weekly? Monthly, yes. And and then she quickly realised the first few months she'd spend a lot. And then over time she realised if she spent a lot, then there was no more coming. And I wasn't going to buy that shiny object in that shop because she'd already had her allocation. And so over time it's reformed that behaviour and now she's much more careful. Okay, so that's worked out. It's all fixed in your house, Alice. I wouldn't say it's fixed because there's still, for example, you know, she's a teenager now, so she wants to go to the shopping malls with her friends. And so she'll say to me, but I thought this pocket money was just for X, Y and Z because you always said that clothes and food are a separate payment and you'll pay that separately. So when she goes to the shopping mall with her friends, do I factor in coffees? Does that become part of her pocket money or do I give her an extra amount for that? So that's something she and I are still negotiating on. It's it's a work in process. Of course, as all parenting is. So what are you reading then? You say you're reading a lot. What are you learning? Well, I brought this book with me because I thought this was um, very interesting. I don't I don't consider it gospel, but it is very interesting. It's called The Opposite of Spoiled and it's by Ron Lieber. 
And he used to be a New York Times personal finance com- columnist. So similar to you, Alice. Oh, <laughs> of course. Yes. And uh, the bit that I've pulled out, because it says here, spoiled children tend to have four primary things in common, though they don't all have to be present at once. One, they have few chores or other responsibilities. Two, there aren't many rules that govern their behavior or schedules. Three, parents and others lavish them with time and assistance. And four, they have a lot of material possessions. I think the idea that my children probably do fit into those four things. um, And then it goes through a whole host of, of ways to kind of counteract what they expect of life. And I think the biggest thing in that is, which I found very difficult, is you have to give them pocket money, which is something that you already say, because mm. they're not going to understand money unless you teach them, well, unless you give them the chance to fail with money. Exactly. And and you talk about chores there. I, I have increased the amount of chores they have to do. And there's no negotiation about it. It's, it's a bit like, well, I have to cook the dinner or your father has to cook the dinner. So you need to lay the table and you need to clear the table and you need to help with a number of other things. And we do have a unique situation living in the UAE where a lot of us have domestic help. But I still instill those chores and they still have to do them. And it's very, very important because at some point they've got to look after themselves. But I don't link chores and pocket money. Well, that's interesting because that's exactly what Ron Lieber says in his book as well. But I've found that I need to link the two. Um, I find it very, I don't know, I just use the the pocket money as an incentive for them. And they are far more enthusiastic about getting their chores done if they know that they'll get paid for getting them done at the end of the week. I feel they have to do their chores anyway. They've got to do it. They've got to help out in the house. You know, there's four of us living there. We all need to pitch in. We're a team. And it's completely unfair if one person is doing all the work or two people are doing all the work. So I make that very clear. And then the pocket money, that is effectively their salary. That's how I see it. Um, and it, But it's not linked to their chores. Because in the future life, they're going to have a salary through their work. But the chores, they're still going to have to come home and cook dinner and, and empty the bins. They're still going to have to do those things. So they're not part of, the two aren't interlinked in my opinion. But as I said, I'm baby steps on the way there. I think for now, this works for our family. Before I'd done it, um, I had for a while just for my daughter. She was about six or seven. I had done it when it was just, you get paid this much, you get three jars. So he suggests three jars. One is to give, one is to save, one is to spend. Um, and it just didn't, She, I don't know, it just wasn't clicking in her head. So we gave it a long break and now we started again about a few months ago. I like the three jars. So are you still doing that? Uh, no. <laughs> and And why was that? Because the jars weren't, were they, was money being moved around between the jars? Um, no, it just, I think when I've given her, well, sorry, when I've given the children the money, then I think I'm letting them now get used to the idea of having money and spending money. And then I'm going to introduce the concepts of, I mean, they're already getting, they're already understanding the concept of saving and spending. But then I'm going to introduce the concept of giving. And we do talk about charity and we talk about people who don't have much or people who are in more difficult circumstances. Um, every time we go back to the UK, I mean, you don't see homeless people here in the UAE. But when they go back, it is a shock to them. They're not used to it. And so we have discussions about that. I remember my daughter was very little. She was like, well, why can't we give them all our money? And so it's also having discussions about money, which, again, I think most people... Um, don't talk to their children about money. We don't talk to them how much rent we pay. We don't talk to them about how our budget works. We don't tell them how many, how much we earn and stuff like that. And um, in the book, it does suggest that all of those conversations are worth being had for children of the well, right age. Well, they are. They are. And I don't necessarily share my salary with my children, but I do talk about the fact that if they want X, Y, and Z, 
I have to work to earn that money to fund that. And it, it's constantly having that evolving. But when you're talking about the pots, you've got the saving and the spending and the giving. The, and the future one you need to think about is the investing. And that's something that we already do for them is that they, on top of their pocket money, they know there's a certain amount that we keep back and that is going into their saving account for the future, which is a separate investment vehicle. And they know that that amount goes in monthly and that is coming out of the amount that they receive every month. So it's thinking about the now, which is the saving and spending now, but it's also thinking about the future and investing. And when will they have that money? They will have, well, that's that's a work, again, another work in progress there, Aisha. But I would say I'm thinking after graduation from university because then that's when they're starting to set up their lives. So we're now going to bring in Marilyn Pinto of the Kids Finance Initiative. So Marilyn, when should we start talking to children about money? I believe you should start as soon as your kids start saying, I want. That is early enough. So that could be three years, five years. But uh, the kids get their concept of money at the age they start understanding it at the age of five years old. So anything after that is a really good time to start talking about money. In what uh, ex- To what extent you do it could differ, but the earlier the better. So when did you start talking to your own children? Because you've got two children, haven't I you? I do. Um, I'm, I have actually started pretty late. I think I started when they were uh, seven and nine and I um, ignored it for a bit. I thought, you know, they would learn this in school or somebody, magically they would get that knowledge. Uh, we hope that. Um, but then I realized that they don't. And it is, uh, yes, schools have part of the responsibility, but I think as parents, we can't ignore that completely ourselves. And we are we spend a lot of time with them and I think they would learn quite a bit from us. Not everything, uh, not much, but uh, but they have an important aspect to learn from their parents. So how can we make them understand that they can't have everything they want? Teaching kids about money is never really about money. It's more about delayed gratification and impulse control. And that's something that we embed in our curriculum. Um, we don't start teaching them straight away about savings. We, we talk about the mindset that they should develop. And uh, I think that's an important aspect. We get into the psychology of money. We make them identify and develop a proper mindset about money. And once they do that, it's so much easier to then go into the technicalities of saving and how much you should save and how to spend. But once they have a proper mindset, it gives the kids a really good foundation uh, to understand everything else that delayed gratification that's quite important isn't it because that's something I have to work on with my daughter when she's in a mall she thinks I really need that thing and she still does it and I say go away come back if you still want that in a week in a month then buy it but don't buy it now because you're looking for that retail hit I always tell her and I have the same the Christmas list is a big thing in our house she writes her Christmas list I think it starts in the summer and it changes on on an hourly sometimes minute by minute basis and so I don't actually commit to that list until very close to Christmas because it's constantly changing as to what she wants in that particular moment and I keep saying no 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 give it to me nearer the time I'm not interested at the moment and it's delaying that gratification that's something that she's having to learn how to do. Uh, Yes because uh, we live in a society where instant gratification is all the rage I mean you know you want a movie it's that second it's you want food it's delivered home so the concept of delayed gratification is something that's quite foreign to kids and 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 something that we need to um, explain to them uh, and and it's also something that they can benefit a lot from as well so. I think something I found which helped because I have two children is 
they end, or they always end up comparing themselves to the kids at school and, oh, that child's got an iPhone or, oh, that kid gets to go out every single week to whatever place they're going to, is that because there's two of them, now that I'm giving them both pocket money, they're actually competing to each against each other and it's not a case of comparing to outside. So my son always likes to have at least one dirham more than his sister and it's like, it's, so he, which isn't good, again, it's, it's something that, how do you counteract that? comparing thing what do you teach children in regards to that that's you know sibling rivalry is always going to be a part of that uh, but i think what we focus on maybe you're talking you know, i heard you're talking earlier about chores and linking it to allowance there's no right and wrong way because every family will will interact differently but um i think in a way it's a bit of both so yes you'll don't link chores to, to money because they need to know that they're part of a team and that, you know, there are certain chores that they need to do. But what we can do is maybe if they do something extra, then you pay them for that. And that that works a lot better. Like if they washing the car may not be part of their normal uh, of their normal chores, but if they if they do that, then then they then they get extra. So uh, they don't get money just for doing nothing. Uh, and, and that's part of it. And what about pocket money itself, though? How, how can as parents, how can we decide how much to give? Again, I don't think that that is a critical way to teach kids how to learn. To, I mean, I know a lot of lot of kids who come to the program whose parents, who, they don't get pocket money and yet they can be very... Because irrespective of whether they get the pocket money or not, they're still spending the money. Just because they're asking you to spend it doesn't mean they're not having a choice uh, or a say in the spending decisions. So it's more important to teach kids how to think about it. As parents, we tend to do more tactical things like, okay, we're giving you pocket money and let's see how you spend it for this week. But we should be more strategic about it in terms of give them the bigger picture and tell them why we are doing this. And then kids are smart enough. They they grasp the concept very easily and pocket money then just does not become a big deal anymore. It doesn't even matter whether you give them pocket money or not. Um, it, it, they actually understand uh, the bigger picture uh, uh, just around money and that really helps. So what is the bigger picture? The bigger picture, like I said, we said we start with mindsets first. We That's a very important concept of when we teach kids how to develop a proper money mindset. We then get into the why they need to learn about money. Uh, again, with kids, it's if you tell them why they need to learn something, even if it's harder and more difficult, they will keep at it because they're motivated. They know that they're going to benefit from this. So telling them why it's important. We also tell them Saving is just, and as parents, we tend to tell kids just, you know, you should save your money, you should save your money, because that's what we were told growing up. That's the only part of, you know, the money management talk that we've ever got was save, save, save. But that's just one quarter of it, if if, if, if at that. It's, you know, it's there's so much more to teaching kids about money than just teaching them to save. There's teaching them how to spend wisely. You know, yes, you're going to make spending decisions. So how do you evaluate those decisions? How do you come to those decisions? Um, there's there's then there's budgeting, which is a really important aspect as well of uh, of teaching kids how to spend money and how to talk to kids about money. Then there's investing for the older kids, and you can't jump these stages. I know a lot of people tend to talk because investing is just a you know it's a more interesting topic to talk to. So they talk they did jump directly in. Into, uh, into investing, but that that's like putting the roof on a house before you're actually building it up. Kids need to understand the basics first. They need a foundational level of knowledge to actually get to investing. So they need to understand what, what does it mean to live within your means or to live beyond your means. They need to understand how to make spending decisions. They need to understand how to budget because your investing is then, you know, you, you cannot invest if you don't have money, if you don't have enough for your needs and wants. Marilyn, what would be your three top tips for parents to teach their children in regards to money? Okay, first off, uh, don't lecture. Kids switch off when we start lecturing and as parents, we're really good at that. Uh, but we, if you talk it 
talk to them in from the form of a story or tell them you know it it sticks much more so instead of telling them you know debt's really bad and you shouldn't get into it we can talk about a, a personal circumstance or someone we know when it becomes more personal and it becomes more sticky so number 2 i would say share the burden kids typically tend to ask their moms uh, about uh, about money issues and and most women irrespective of how successful they are in business uh, tend to play the ask your dad card uh, which gives kids the impression that money is a man's domain which it isn't and i think we should have uh, that should kind of stop uh, we should really take equal um, equal responsibility for talking to our to our kids about money the third one i mean i know we're talking about the importance of teaching kids you know saving and spending wisely and budgeting but i think there's an important component of uh, money management that's uh, that sh- that we should talk to our kids about and and that's um, gratitude and generosity it's just it just completes the whole cycle um, and i think that makes it makes it more relatable to the kids as well and gives them like i said the bigger picture just by virtue of living in this country we are lucky we have so much more than you know kids back home or whichever country we come from and uh, they need to understand how how lucky they are and uh, just be thankful for that and it doesn't matter how much you have but you always have more than a lot of people could have and that sense of gratitude is something that's that really needs to be um taught to kids and and made them so that they appreciate it even more because i think kids don't nowadays we they just don't they don't realize how yeah, lucky they are that's really difficult to instill i feel i had this thing i had going for a while i'm such a um i'm not very steadfast in what i do but i used to have this thing at the end of day when we used to have dinner together was just to have three things that you were grateful for um and it sounds like a really cheesy thing but it actually works cuz it just makes children reflect on any three things that they enjoyed about their day that they felt grateful for um and it's just a good practice to have cuz normally kids complain all the time about something all the time. um they never go around going oh it's great this happened cuz yeah that's the way people are i suppose so when do we take it up a notch when do we start talking to them about credit cards compound interest budgeting for university you know really getting those core skills into them when they actually leave the house we can start teaching them right now so we have uh, two age groups that we do this in so one is from say 8 to 11 and the other is 12 and above so it's the teenagers and the teenagers by by session 3 we do talk to them about budgeting uh, we talk to them about investing because by then they have an idea of what it means to save what it means to spend wisely uh, we give them actual budgeting exercises and that's once they have that basic knowledge and it's a good time to talk to them about investing and it's something they're really interested in because uh, it's just something again possibly they don't know much about or their friends don't know much about so for them it's like okay i'm learning something that's a very grown up topic and and it's exciting to learn about you uh, you have the research that shows that you don't need to study personal finance for years and years it's just 10 hours of a personal finance course can make a significant difference to a child's spending and saving habits uh, and that's so in the, in the 10 hours i think towards the latter half of it is a good time to introduce uh, investing as a topic and that's what we do Well that's good to hear. So we should now um bring in a question from the listener. So this is from BN in Dubai and she says my 6-year-old daughter wants to buy something in every single shop and if she doesn't get what she wants she has a tantrum. How do I persuade her that money doesn't grow on trees and that she cannot have everything she wants? I'm starting to dread going to the malls. So I'd like to tackle this issue now before it gets any worse. I think that's question has multiple nuances to it i'm not so sure that it might just be a money problem is she really throwing the tantrum just for money or it could be related to to something else which is something uh, that we look at also another very popular aspect is when kids ask for something most parents just say oh, we can't afford it 
that's not really the right way to go about it as well because that's not the truth. It's not that we can't afford it. It's just we need to tell them that we choose to spend our money differently. We we are choosing to make different decisions and different priorities for our money. And they get that. They understand that a lot more than we can't afford that because they know that's not true. But is, is that age sensitive? Because I don't think a three or four-year-old would understand that you're not a priority and your toy that you like in that shop is going to be... Like I said, for the three or four-year-old, I really don't think it's about that particular toy or about a concept of money. Uh, it's, probably it's more that they problem. don't understand yes. why. Um, and in that regard, I can understand as they get older that you can say, you know, we have bills to pay, we have holidays to save up for and that kind of thing. Well, I mean, this this little girl is six. So, I mean, at this stage, from a personal point of view, if that was happening, I'd probably avoid the malls. I'm not a big fan of malls anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, but I probably would have a, a conversation outside of the mall, perhaps in the evening yes. when I was at home and just and sort of talk it through and do that consistently over a a few nights just to try and get the message in there but it has to be done outside of the situation yes it definitely ha- that's what I meant by saying it usually this there must be something else that's parking it then it needs to be done outside of the situation and and where the child's in you know calm and can actually listen and is paying attention to what you're saying and uh, also not yeah. caving in I think I think a lot of times when parents are met, met with a tantrum they do just go oh, okay fine I'll do it and I think it's better c- than getting stares from everybody right so. yeah <laughs> and it is and and that's completely understandable but then I think we have to be really aware of the message that we're giving our child that if you have a big enough tantrum that, you know, eventually we'll give it. for sure. I think caving in is the worst thing that you can do, um, especially with, with kids who, and kids are smart. They know how to, uh, they know how to manipulate that. They know just what buttons to push to get you to cave. You know, asking you in front of people, asking you when they're, <laughs> they, they, they know exactly how, how to do that. So, <laughs> Yeah, that asking you when I'm distracted. I Absolutely. always get asked for things always. when I'm yeah. busy doing I something else. I think they else. specifically wait for us to get busy and they know that uh, we're not really paying attention to what they want and we're like, okay, just yes, so that they can leave. Uh, and that's something that happens uh, all the time. But I always say that whatever I answer you when, I, when I'm busy, I have the right to, to take back <laughs> when I'm f- paying full attention and understood exactly what you've, uh, what you've asked for. But yes, it's a, it's a common problem. So to help our listener, what, what's the tactics then that she should adopt? One, uh, talk to the child outside of the situation, not in the mall, not while she's having the tantrum, but definitely have a series of conversations with her that make her understand um, the the reasoning behind it. And uh, number two, don't cave in because kids are smart enough to figure that out and take advantage of that. So um, maybe speak to her and and make her understand that no matter how big the tantrum is, she's not going to get what she wants in that particular way. Thank you very much for joining us today, Marilyn. It was great to have you on the show. You're very welcome. For more personal finance advice, check out our other episodes on organising your finances, dealing with debt and changes to the UAE's end of service gratuity. We are now joined by Mika Kokia, who we found through the Real Mums of Dubai Facebook page, who saw a real turnaround in her daughter's attitude towards money. So Mika, how did you transform your child into a saver? Where did your story start? Actually, um, I, I, my parents got separated when I was 12 years old. So I really had a tough life when I was a child. And when I got into college, I supported myself and my brothers as well. So that is where I am coming from. I didn't have anything. I had to work hard for myself to, to um, uh, get into university and to, to graduate. And then when I promised myself when I had my job and I was able to get an income from it, when I get when I have a child, I would give everything to her. So when she was there, 
she was a miracle baby. I gave everything to her when she was a child. Expensive toys because I was earning well that time. So did but that then, mean that she everything she asked for she got? So when she was two to six years old, everything she she wants Barbie toys like worth two thousand dirhams. I give it to her, anything and whatever she asks, even if she's not asking and providing it. But when she started asking. Like when we're going to the grocery or we're going to a toy shop, she's asking how much is this or she's comparing prices and she's going to ask me, can you please lay down the money, how much really is the, the price? That's what That was my turning point. Like I said to my husband, yes, this she's ready now to realize or to know what is the value, what is the value of money. So from then, I... She knows that we're involved in a, a, a charity organization in Philippines, and uh, she's, she's very well-versed about what's happening there. But when she get involved and said, Mom, can I meet the kids? Like, I want to talk to them. Then that's it. When she realized that not, everything, not, not everyone has what she has, she starts saving for them. And how did you At make 10, that happen? How did you help her become a saver? When... When she was 10 years old, she asked for an allowance. I told her, I will give you an allowance. I said, we started at 200 dirhams. I know that was a lot, but then uh, she was she was like very eager to get an allowance. So I told her, okay, I'm going to give you an allowance. So is that, is an that allowance. 200 dirhams a month? Yes, 200 dirhams a month when she was 10 years old. When she got that allowance, I have noticed that she get a, an empty bottle of water and she put a hole on it, and she keeps on putting things on it. Like she put keeps on putting coins on it. And I was asking her, what was what? Why are you saving? Like that allowance is supposed to be your food that you can buy at school at a canteen. And then she told me, Mom, I wanted to help the kids. So she started putting coins and giving it to me every end of the month, so we can send it to Philippines. And then suddenly, when I was in a flea market selling some old stuff here at home. She told me, Mom, I want to segregate my stuff too, and I want to resell it. And that's it. She she just sold all her stuff that are not needed, and then she starts saving again. And then she asked me to buy this big coin bank, and she started labeling it. What the labels on the coin bank? From the coin bank, she has this charity. Okay, from the start, she has this charity, and the other one is savings. And then usually we go um, a yearly vacation somewhere like going Philippines or Singapore or Thailand. She starts labeling each, and then suddenly she said, Mom, I want to buy this in Thailand because I saw this in YouTube. So I told her, okay, fine. And then she just started labeling it. And from then, it was just part of her system that every time she gets money, she knows where to keep it. She Sometimes she's a kid. She's um, buying like stationary stuff. But the, the, the good thing about her is that she always checks the price. If she sees it expensive, she'll just tell me, Mom, it's expensive. I won't buy it. And what do you think motivated that change? Was that her or, or do you think you helped to make that happen? Um, it is us, actually. It, we, we basically set everything here. Like, I don't impose anything from her. I didn't force her anything or I didn't say anything that you should do this and do that. It's just her who sees us that we're doing things this way. Because I, myself, I usually save, like, these coins, loose coins, and I put it in the coin bank. She's she's seeing us that way, but the, the 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 like the turning point for her is that when she get involved in a charity, 
which is the Hope Charity Philippines that we're we're having these feeding programs every month with those students that are really poor students who cannot even eat three times a day. So when she she gets to know them and uh, she got to know how how they live, how they deal with with poverty there, herself just volunteered to do it. And involving her to flea markets or sometimes she's even selling slimes, making slimes at home and selling it with her friends so that she can earn money. Uh, that that all that all happened because she can see within us, within the family. And now that your daughter is 12, how do you think she's going to take all those lessons forward? Well, I am really confident about her because as of now, she's even doing guitar lessons with her own money, taking from her allowance. And as I said, she has this another coin bank that she just labeled like two months ago, uh, the road to becoming a medical doctor because she really wanted to be a pediatrician. And uh, I see a bright future in her, and um, the trust is there, and I know that she's well-disciplined. path for her, I know, because we are just an average income earner as of now, because I am not working now, and uh, we have a baby that I am taking care of. But then I know that she can, uh, she can do it, and she should be able to impart these um, traits to the youngest child I have. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you very much for joining us, Mika. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you this week to Aisha Khan, Marilyn Pinto and Mika Kokia. If you would like advice on your personal finance issues, you can write to me on pf at thenational.ae. Remember that PF stands for personal finance. Please do subscribe to the podcast in your podcasting app to receive weekly updates and also leave a review so we know what you think. This episode was produced by Arthur Edison and Erica Elkershi. I've been your host, Alice Haynes.